The Melbourne Storm have been crowned champions in a year full of challenges which would see only the strongest reach winning heights. Stay tuned, a big show coming up. Storm finishes superstars while Panthers are left licking their wounds. But how did Melbourne create the perfect storm? Peter Sterling and our panel have the answers. And Ryan Pappenhausen received the Clive Churchill medal, but will his form be rewarded with a spot in the Origin opener? The inspiring three-peat, Brisbane Broncos soared to a third straight NRLW Premiership. Broncos' Meg Ward joins us live amid their celebrations. Congratulations to the Melbourne Storm 2020 Premiers and of course the Brisbane Broncos, a three-peat. That is nothing to sneeze at, an amazing feat. Michael Chamis, Jamie Seward, how are you boys feeling after a big day yesterday? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling refreshed. It's been, uh, it was a good game last night. I thought it could have gone either way at, at, some, at some stage, but Melbourne Storm, just classy. Just really, really classy. I know this guy's a little bit disappointed. Teammates a little bit upset. Yeah, today. a little bit disappointed with Penrith, but <laughs> yeah. It, Unfortunately for the Panthers, they sort of fell away throughout the final series. They weren't very good against South Sydney last week and, and there were signs against the Roosters there in that first half where they didn't put in their best performance. So, yeah, look, I, I just think they'll be better for the run next year, Penrith. We hate to be right, don't we? <laughs> I, I love it. Here we I go. love being right. Here we I go. I just do. I love seeing players celebrate, but I also love celebrating over this guy. <laughs> I mean, if you wind back the clock, uh... I've just been right. 2020 been a horrible year for the world. <laughs> Great year for me on Inside the NRL with this guy. <laughs> you said it was going to be a funny show. <laughs> hey, with that being said, I was going to ask you guys, did the right team win last night? Jamie, you feel Melbourne Storm did prove that they were the real deserved winners. Yeah, that's exactly right. You look at that first 15 minutes and the emotion that went into that, how the game started. I thought that Penrith you know, surprisingly got that first set. Like, this is the first kickoff of the game. Penrith all week would have been like, we're going to kick off, we're going to try and bash them. But then after their first set with the ball, I was really sort of uninspired and nervous about their attack. And I said to my wife, I said, that's just not how Penrith play. Like, they just play with reckless abandonment. They come up with their plays. Um, I thought they were a little bit rushed in this first set. And there was a real noticeable effort from the forwards and the middle unit to put pressure on Nathan Cleary, Jerome Luai, who they took out of the game in the first 20 minutes. Like, look at that there, Kenny Bromwich coming up to get Nathan Cleary to put pressure on. That's the first set for me. Yeah. That is an unlike 2020 Penrith team first set. They looked a bit shocked by the result of that kickoff as well. They weren't expecting that to happen, and I don't think they adjusted from that point on. Nathan was a little bit off all night. The, deser the, the team that deserved to win were the Melbourne Storm. They were well and truly the better team in that game. Mel Penrith deserved to win the Premiership, though, and unfortunately, when you play against the Storm, you aren't given anything, you have to earn it, and, and Penrith didn't earn it on uh, Sunday night. No, they, you, you deserve to win the Premiership if you're holding it at the end of the game, and you can be the best team all year. Having been in that position and finished first, in 90% of leagues across the world, you finish first in the regular season, you get the Premiership trophy. Unfortunately, yeah, well, fortunately, we have a final series, and we've seen that in the A-League that they've been able to do that as well. So... Melbourne, Melbourne timed their run. They, they timed it to perfection. In, in the final series, Melbourne were the better team. They yes. were building up to performance. You think about how they beat the Canberra Raiders. Like, this is the first set of the game. I thought it was a huge mistake. You know, no, no disrespect to Tyrone May, but I just thought specialist centre on that right edge. Brett Naden had been involved in 17 games this year for 17 wins. He needed to be out there defensively for that combination because... 
The South Sydney Rabbitohs, they didn't throw a lot at that right edge. Melbourne, that was their dominant edge, the left edge. And this guy on screen, I mean, West Tigers fans must just be sitting there crying every time you hear Ryan Pappenhausen's name. I don't know how he left the club, but okay. I just thought that Melbourne timed their run perfectly. They were good against Parramatta without being great. They were superb against the Canberra Raiders. And no one does big games better than Craig Bellamy and Cam Smith. Talking about Craig Bellamy, who do you think? Do you think that the 2020 title was the best title? Because Craig Bellamy said last night 2012 for him was the best title until last night. And he said, I think 2020 takes a cake. Well, 2012 would have been so important for so many different reasons. Obviously, 2010 and all that kind of stuff. But last night was the best title I think I've seen in a, in a long time. You know, the adversity that every team had to go through this year. But if you had said to me three years ago that Cooper Cronk was going to leave, they were going to win a grand final, that he was going to leave, Billy Slater was going to leave a year later and Cameron Smith was going to be playing in 2020 with a whole new different spine and they were going to win the competition, no one would have believed you. Like, it's an amazing effort. Yeah, incredible. They don't get the... You know what uh, annoys me about the Melbourne Storm and, and the people south of the, of the Queensland border and also north of Victoria? They don't give Melbourne Storm the respect that they deserve and how hard it is to win a competition, how hard it is to get back there year after year because they don't like them. Like, you're, you're allowed to cheer against the Melbourne Storm, but you have to respect nine grand finals since 2003, Craig Bell. I mean, that's one every two years. And he's won six or won four. So they just don't get the respect they deserve because everyone hates them for, for other reasons. No, you're right, Sam. I mean, I'll ask you a question. I'll put you in a difficult position. You've been coached by Wayne Bennett, but I think this man's passed him as the greatest coach in the modern era of all time. Is that fair to say that Craig Bellamy, what he's been able to do? Because a lot of Wayne Bennett's teams have been the pick of the bunch. He's turned average footballers into, superstar, into great players and great players into superstars. Yeah, I think, you, I think you're right. You know, I said in my column this morning you know, for NRL.com that he's in that conversation now and he's probably gone past him with the performance of being able to get this premiership across the line. Cameron Smith, like Ryan Pappenhausen was a fourth string fullback. Jerome Hughes was a fullback who's, play, who's one of the premier halfbacks in the world now. Um, Cameron Munster was a loose cannon who could do, you know, who could win your game but also lose your game. Now he's one of the premium five eights in the world. Kenny Bromwich was a bench player who's now a starting back row. Felice, like you can just keep rattling him off. Christian Welch was a bench player last year who they weren't sure was going to be able to stay around and keep playing. Now he's about to play State of Origin again. Like I, I think, yeah. He's, I He's, he's definitely up there. I'll tell you the one thing about Craig Bellamy that's impressive. In this era, when a lot of coaches talk about the difficulties associated with this generation of players and how they need a cuddle and they're very sensitive, you saw yesterday in that vision, Craig Bellamy is a lunatic in the coach's box and he doesn't give players the easy road out, but he still manages to get the best out of them. It, it, regardless of how we, you know, what other coaches struggle to do in terms of getting the best out of players and knowing when to, to give them a cuddle or talk tough to them, Craig Bellamy nails it. You don't have many players who go to Melbourne and have a sook that it's too tough. He, 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 he demands perfection, perfection and he gets it from them. No one else does that. Well, you, you have standards there. And if you meet the standards, you're going to be successful and you're going to be a part of a successful team. And, you know, you think about all the players that have left Melbourne. They haven't been the same, barring Cooper Cronk. They haven't been the same as what they were in that Melbourne Storm system. So I think Craig Bellamy, this year has been his best year coaching, obviously, for those reasons. But... We've seen more of Craig Bellamy and how relaxed he's had to be because yeah. they're day in, day out. Like, there's no respite, you know, for this year for the Melbourne Storm squad. They've been day in, day out hanging together. We saw him changing the tyre. We've seen him wear the headgear. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's just... 
the evolvement of Craig Bellamy. And that brought them together, to be honest. I know they spoke about last night, Cameron Smith, the difficulties of going away from home for four or five months. No doubt it was. And that added to the pressure of... Well, added to the difficulty of winning a premiership. But I reckon it galvanised them as well because... We say it's difficult and they're away from home, but you, if you ask me, where would you rather be? In a resort for five months with all your families and friends and your teammates together, or going to training and going back home like every all the Sydney guys were basically locked down their home for five months? I think I'd take the resort with the family and friends. So I reckon it united that group, and we saw the result on the weekend, of how close they are. I think whatever the sacrifice, it was going to be a tough one and I think people do forget that Melbourne Storm moved from Melbourne and have been on the Sunshine Coast for the last, what was it, five months. Yeah, it's it been a long time. Yeah. So they um, they were deserved winners and fantastic last night. But for Cameron Smith, there's uh, there's always a controversy around him and there was words that he spoke to Jared Sutton when Jerome Hughes got sent to the sin bin. Uh, let's play that audio. I get it. Listen, I'll talk to you about this decision. So he's basically questioning whether or not Jerome should be off and questioning an exciting finish to the game. What's happened there? Has he been found guilty from the match review committee? Yeah, look, Cameron Smith, he, he said to referee Jared Sutton, I understand what you're doing, but stop picking things out of our game to make for an exciting finish. Now, I know some people at Penrith have been disappointed with those comments, considering that Ivan Cleary was fined $20,000 for saying uh, that the referees managed Canberra back in the game about a couple of months ago. Uh, but Cameron Smith, I spoke to the NRL, they're not going to take further action against Cameron Smith despite you know, the assumption that he's questioned the integrity of the officials there. But they're not going to take any action against him. They believe he was said in the heat of the moment. A lot of these things get said all the time. And it's different, they believe, to Ivan Cleary saying after a game in a press conference when he's had time to, to digest and, and relax a little bit. They believe there's a difference there. So, look, I, I know the fans will probably think, oh, Cameron Smith, protected species, you know, they're not going to do anything in his last game. It would have been disappointing if the NRL cracked down on Cameron Smith in his last game. But to be honest with you, he, he overstepped the mark a little bit there, Cameron Smith. Yeah, he did. I can't say anything. He's I, just very good he, at it. He knows how to work well, it. He, yeah, but I that's, think he was that's, killing time. That's the to difference, be fair. Katie. He does know how to normally get away with it without overstepping the mark. He did there. I reckon if he watches that, he'd probably think, you know what, it's my last game. I could say what I want. No one's going to tell me what to do. And he did. He, he questioned them. He said, not... you're trying to... Okay. He, he basically said, you are altering your decision-making yeah. to generate a certain outcome. All right, George Gregan did it for Rugby Union for so many years in the referee's ear to get an advantage. If you can do that, then you do that. And that is your advantage that you have over the other team. So I've got no problem with it. If you're trying to get an advantage to win a grand final or win a game... Winning and losing is what it's about, and he does whatever he takes to win. He does. You absolutely. talk about the frustration south of the, or north of the Victorian border about Cameron Smith and Melbourne. I feel as though the people that are critical of Cameron Smith feel he, get, he gets away with a lot. This only just adds <laughs> to that perception. But he's he smart enough because to do that. Everyone north of the Victorian border is obsessed with, oh, Cameron Smith gets it this way and that way. He's won. He's a winner. He's the best. You know, so we're all jealous of that tall poppy syndrome. We have to find a reason to chop him down. No one can ever be the greatest. All this kind of rubbish. He's the goat. Well, let's stop chopping him down. Another topic we need to talk about with Cameron Smith is moments before we came on air, he actually has posted on Twitter and Instagram a book release. So Andrew Webster has written this one alongside him called The Storm Within, and that's just started a lot of talk. Um, Michael, you know Andrew quite well. What What is this book? What can we expect to see? Yeah, I've spoken to Andrew Webster, a colleague of mine from the Sydney Morning Herald, quite a bit about this. He's pretty excited 
about this book and, and what Cameron Smith uh, divulges in, in this book that's going to be released later in the year. I, straight away when I, thought, I saw that, I thought Cameron Smith might be announcing his retirement because I think this was pending a uh, potential retirement, whether they released the book or not. But I think they're running out of time. They've made a decision. They need to release this book because, you know, it goes on sale pretty soon before the Christmas period. And I think Andrew Webster... Uh, <laughs> imagine I'll, I'll get imagine Webby last it. night just going, oh, yep, they won the grand final. OK, just get the last little bit right oh, you can print that now. It just makes everybody start talking as well. And here's the reason why. Take a listen to what he had to say. Hi, everyone. I'll be releasing my autobiography this November. It's the full story of my career so far, through the good times and the bad. Do you reckon that was filmed today? No. Because I don't think he's going to be in that serious? condition. <laughs> you're, hey, you're a smart man. You're smart. Given, man. given that he was sitting on the, uh, the charter flight back to Queensland with the premiership beside him at, what, 5am or 4am? That's uh, a silly yeah, question. I don't yeah. think that was, that was filmed today. No, I'll be interested to, to, to read that, though, to, to see. Because oh, I so want to hear about stories. that, you know, obviously the ups and downs. But a lot's been made about how he dealt with the social media and that era as well. Because when he started playing, it wasn't about now. It's come through and he's copped a lot of criticism. So I think it'll be a very good read. Mm. All right, moving on now. And we're going to be joined by one of the game's legends, Peter Sterling. Thanks for coming on Inside the NRL. No worries, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty well, thanks. Now, we're going to talk about the grand final, the Melbourne Storm with the Penrith Panthers, 26-20. to 20. Was that scoreline a true reflection of the result, do you think? Uh, it's an interesting one. I haven't thought too much about that. I, I guess at 22 at half-time, uh, the Melbourne Storm, who were the best front runners I've ever seen, uh, looked at me home and hose. So it was a valiant effort from the... The Penrith side to to get back into it in the second half to some extent. I think it finished four tries all. So um, I, I don't know if that sort of tells. I, I thought Melbourne were clearly the better side for the vast majority of the game. So I got a little bit tighter than I was expecting. It actually reminded me, guys, very much of the 2001 Grand Final between Newcastle and Parramatta, where Parramatta. Not much went their way in the first half. They trailed 24-0 at half-time. They scored the necessary 24 in the second half, but unfortunately for them, Newcastle had scored another try, another converted try. So uh, it was kind of a similar comeback for, for Penrith, who, in my mind, did score 22 points, even though the scoreline says 26-20. They did turn down the conversion attempt at Nathan Cleary's try, which was adjacent to the posts. So they kind of scored the 22 necessary points, unfortunately for them as well. Also conceded another try for it to be too far. Stella, where did it go wrong for Penrith, do you think? Did the weather play a factor? Were they overawed by the occasion or, or just Melbourne too good? No, look, I don't think it was any of, of those things. The conditions necessarily hurt. I just think that the tries that they conceded, they would look back on and be filthy with themselves because they weren't tries that they conceded during the course of the year. Uh, you know, a penalty try early, an intercept... Then a really scrappy try just before half-time, which was an absolute killer going into the break. And then to concede the Pappenhausen try from a scrum 20 metres out of their opposition line, I think they would look back at... They were all tries that, in some shape or form, they, they should have been able to stop. Um, and, and in the end, you know, it was Melbourne taking full advantage of their opportunities and, and Penn just not coming up 
with the, the great defence that was needed at that time of the game. Serlo, earlier in the show, I addressed the Tyrone May uh, going into centre for Brenton Aiden to start that game. Was that the right call by Ivan Cleary, or was there a little bit of panic there about Naden's defence and probably read too much into it because they ended up costing uh, the Penrith Panthers on that edge? Yeah, look, it's not something I thought we'd be talking about late in the season because it was a switch, really, that kind of came out of the blue. Um, obviously, against South Sydney, uh, they used that with Tyrone coming in and, and Naden going to the bench and not playing any minutes. And Ivan said that it was something that he'd been toying with for quite a while. So, obviously, it wasn't a, you know, a quick decision made by him. On that basis, when he said that the, the decision was made because he thought it was the best right-side defence configuration... You figured, well, it made sense that he was going to carry that in the grand final. But in the end, uh, yeah, look, I, I don't know whether Ivan would think that he got it right or wrong. Um, you know, I suppose when Brent Naden came into the game, he actually looked a bit dangerous with the football. Uh, now, whether that would have been the case when the Melbourne defence was at its best earlier on, I don't know. But, look, you know, it's easier to say that got this wrong or got this right, whether he'd second-guess himself now if he had another opportunity. The one thing I know about the Penrith, Jamie, is that the coach and the players would wake up today, next morning, and think, gee, I wish we could do that again. I wish we could just do that. We would get it better. We would be, we would get it right. Because they, for basically the whole season, they got everything right, but they just not, they failed to nail it at the end. Uh, whether that defensive... Um, decision, you know, made that made a difference. I just think overall, they just succumbed to scoreboard pressure. They didn't defend as well as they'd done all year, and the scoreboard hurt them. And everybody then tried too hard. You know, Kikau came up with a lot of uh, lost ball. There were mistakes made in the play the ball area. It was in their haste to try and get back into the game that really they just shot themselves in the foot and. Um, you know, made it harder for themselves. Stella, Nathan Cleary, uh, if you were in his ear at the moment, what would you be saying to Nathan Cleary after yesterday? Because a, a few of his kicks didn't go to plan and obviously the intercept there for Vunavalu. What would you be saying to Nathan today? To not put yourself in that position ever again. And that's, you know, that's what losing a grand final does. You, you don't ever want to feel that way. But Nathan's had a great season. Um, you, basically, you'd, you'd be telling him, look, uh, learn from this. You'll get another opportunity. Uh, have a great off-season, pre-season, work hard. Uh, you go into next year with a, a, a really good football team around you. You've got origin football coming up. You can sort of you know, get rid of some of the disappointment quicker than what you would normally have to wait. Normally it's it's months away, but if he can go in and have a really good game for New South Wales in game one and game two or whatever, uh, the, the Blue selectors decide to play him, that can erase some of that disappointment. But just don't be too down on himself. Like, as I say, I, I think like all the Penrith players, they just, they just got... They lost their way a little bit because the scoreboard got away from them early on. But he doesn't have to do anything different in the next three games if he plays all origins. And he doesn't have to do much different next year. He was clearly close to the best player in the competition. Um, unfortunately, in the biggest game of the year, he and his teammates were just a little bit short of the mark. Better next time. Sterlo, if that was Cameron Smith's last game, is he the greatest player you've ever seen? And Dizzy was good again last night for a guy that's played <laughs> over 500 games. 
Yeah, Cameron's a, he's, he's a different beast, isn't he? Um, that 430 games in itself is a remarkable achievement. I think one of the greatest our game's ever seen uh, to, you know, to be the first person past that 400 mark. But I'm not quite sure if he's the greatest player I've ever seen, but he's the most influential player. And there is a bit of a differentiation there for me. You know, I think, I think Wally Lewis, probably the greatest player alongside slash Andrew Johns. When it comes to influence of a game and not on a team, I don't think I've seen any more profound than Cameron Smith. And I think it's been pointed out, you know, this week that if you put together a showreel for Cameron Smith, it's not really going to excite you. It's not going to capture your imagination. You know, it, it doesn't involve all these slashing tries or great plays. But all of the little plays, the the, the creative, um, the, the the knowing when to kick and how to kick and at what time to kick and the the intricacies intricacies and the subtleties of his game, they just all add, add up to this great package, which isn't exciting to necessarily watch. But if you know the game, you see that the influence that he has is most significant of every, any player I've ever seen. Now, I want to turn your attention to Craig Bellamy. He has taken the Melbourne Storm to nine grand final appearances. Where does he sit, Stello, in terms of the greatest rugby league coaches? Oh, he's up with the best, surely. He's, you know, I, I played under a super catching Jack Gibson. You, you've got your, your Wayne Bennett's in there. But what Craig Bellamy has achieved over two decades is remarkable. Uh, his side has not finished outside of the, the top four since 2015. I think this was his ninth game coaching in a grand final, which equals Wayne Bennett. Um, and the ability to continually get this team to evolve. Like, this is a very different Melbourne team to what we saw five or six years ago. Like, I remember going back in time, there was a Melbourne team under Craig Bellamy that never put the football, never had an offload in a whole season because it suited what the game demanded then. That was all about high completions, no errors, and he had the team that could accommodate that. This year, his team scored more tries from their own half than any other side. So he's evolved the football team um, to, to meet the, the standards needed each year. Now, we always say that if you don't improve on a year, then you're actually going backwards. Well, Bellamy's teams have never gone backwards. I think the other thing I really like out of, you know, this grand final team as well is that only four of the players from the 17 didn't make their first grade debut with the Melbourne Storm. Now, they're up against a Penrith team that had a lot of local juniors coming through, and that's great development. But Craig Bellamy just continues to develop players. You know, when Israel Folau and Greg Inglis, as all those guys who are probably going to be great players anyway, when they went there, they hadn't achieved anything, and Craig brought that out of him. But have a look at Brinko Lee. Uh, the goal, he couldn't get a game with the Gold Coast Titans. And basically, his NRL career was over. He went and trained with the Melbourne Rebels rugby union team for a couple of weeks, didn't know what was going on, didn't like it. 12 months' time, he's, he's a starting centre in a premiership-winning team. Brian Norrie was on his way to the Wagga Kangaroos as captain coach, went on had a great couple of seasons under Craig Bellamy. So Craig has this amazing ability to get the best out of any player under his direction, regardless of the talent that they have and the ability that they have. He gets it out of them every week and... I guess the other thing you look at, you know, the players that leave Melbourne, they tend not to play anywhere near the kind of football they did when they were wearing the purple colours.
Yeah, you're certainly not wrong. Another player is Ryan Pappenhausen that West Tigers let go and he's been picked in <laughs> New South Wales State of Origin side. But I won't hold you up. Uh, we did just get all of the uh, both the Maroons and the Blues teams confirmed. So are you pretty happy with both of those selections? I know you're probably only caring about the Blues. Was there any players that missed out you would have liked to have seen in there? No, I think mean, in 27, you know, the, what we see certainly for New South Wales is enormous depth. A lot of players there who played Origin. You know, there are some notable omissions from, from last year. Obviously, no Blake Ferguson, uh, Paul Vaughan, Wade Graham. Um, so, you know, some bold decisions made. But I think if you have a look at all the players in that 27, uh, I know Brad Fittler has said that he's very, very comfortable that he could name one, one team uh, and then play, name a completely different team for game two and be extremely confident that they would be, you know, too good again. So... I think, yes, New South Wales at the moment, we have an embarrassment of riches. Uh, Queensland obviously come in with a very inexperienced squad and we'll be relying on the likes of Daly Cherry Evans, Cameron Munster, and maybe a guy like Jake Friend as well to really lead the way for them. But I don't want to get too carried away. I was around in 1995 when Paul Vorton had a Queensland team that on paper could not get close to New South Wales playing origin and they won 3-0. So I'm not taking anything for granted, um, <laughs> but I'm very, very confident that New South Wales go in with the right squad and certainly the, the, the depth of player to really make it difficult for Queensland to prevail in this upcoming series. Oh, I'm sure all the New South Welshmen listening will love to hear that from you, Sterlo. Thanks so much for joining us on Inside the NRL. We'll have a chat to you very soon. Thanks, guys. It's been good fun. Peter Sterling there. What a legend. And don't forget, you can buy your tickets for the NRL's State of Origin series. They come on sale tomorrow from 10 o'clock, so go to nrl.com forward slash tickets. We will talk more about State of Origin soon, but let's talk about the NRLW. The Broncos 20, Roosters 10. They were just tremendous year in, year out. That is not easy to win three in a row. No, it's not, and they were fantastic in the opening stands. It reminded me of last year against the Dragons. They just looked like they'd been there before in the game. They walked out there calm. They started fantastically. Taron Aitken, I think, has probably been... That move to that left-hand side for me has probably been one of the smartest moves. Getting Ali Brigginshaw into the middle. You see this play here. She puts on for Tamika Upton. And when they went to 12-0, Chemis, I thought it was just going to be an absolute whitewash. But to the Roosters' credit, they stuck in there. They, they got themselves back into the game, but... When you look at these highlights, so much class across the field for the Broncos. Yeah, it's too good. And the Roosters, to be honest, looked a little bit disorganised, dysfunctional throughout that game. You know, the Broncos looked, even at 12-10, the Broncos looked in control. You didn't feel as though they were going to lose that game. So it's good to see them win three in a row. And Katie as well. It's not a coincidence she's on the maroon today. <laughs> She's it pretty proud. You've jumped on the bandwagon. No, I just am, I think it's a great thing that they've managed to make it three in a row. Fine, you could have caught me out there. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to talk about the culture as well because Kelvin Wright's been there for the last two years and, and managing a females team and, and keeping that core group together. Was that a big trait in keeping success, do you think, at that club? Definitely, yeah. That The standards that they have within that Broncos side aren't compromised by anyone and I think it showed last year. He made some tough calls in the grand final, but... To be able to move Ali Brigginshaw into the middle, that's your best player. That's the best player in the world in the women's game. And you have to make a decision, right, we're going to take you out of the number seven role. And if she doesn't believe in her coach and the culture and the standards that they set as a club, she can't make that move into the middle and excel like she did. So 
I think it's great work by the Brisbane Broncos culture uh, in the women's side to be able to get that done and, and show this year with another premiership. Meg Wood's going to join us very soon. But just before we do, gents, one last question. They've lost one game in three years. They lost it to the Warriors last year by two points. So how come they're untouchable? What does it come down to? Ali Brigginshaw. Mm. <laughs> Her game management. Is I that it? Like... Nah, well, it's a big chunk of it because if you have a look at all the previews I did this year with Maddie Elliott, Ali Brigginshaw comes up. She sees the game as a man, as the Cameron Smith of, of the women's game. She understands where to put the ball, where to turn it over, right, where to up the ante. Like, when the big moments came in that grand final yesterday... Ali Brigginshaw was around either defensively racing up a line, off a line to force an error or a short pass to seal the game right at the end. She just gets the game better than everyone else. And we didn't see the best of her last year in State of Origin, and that's what worries me about New South Wales this year. We may see the best of Ali Brigginshaw, and it may cost New South Wales. Well, we're still a little bit earlier when in referring to Cameron Smith. Spoke about how he's the most influential player that he's ever seen. Like we talk about influence on a game, and that's what Ali Brigginshaw's been able to do for the Broncos. It might not be the highlight reel play, but the way she controls that Broncos team has gone a long, long way to their success the last three years. Yeah, it's a really good point. And for more insight, we are joined by Meg Ward in Brisbane, continuing the celebrations in the sunny state. Congratulations. She's got half the team there. Hello. How does it feel to win three in a row? Oh, how good. We are absolutely stoked and we are partying hard, all thanks to Forex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sponsor one, tick, good job. <laughs> Meg, what about the culture? I mean, we were just talking about it before we got you on there. And how hard is it to win three in a row? It's no, no easy feat at all. Yeah, 100%. I think it comes down to the culture and everyone that's um, come into the club this year, whether they're new or um, ex-players, they've bought into the culture and um, we absolutely love it here. And as you can see, we like to have a lot of fun um, and enjoy the wins. And I think that's what it's all about, um, enjoying it with your teammates. Hey, I want you to let us in on a little secret. I read a story this morning in the Sydney Morning Herald that Sarah Keegan wrote about the, uh, the girls were upset with a, a post one of the Roosters players put up in regards to Ali Brigginshaw and winning the Dallier medal. Can you tell us how much that motivated the girls and, and seeing that? Yeah, 100%. That really motivated us. Um, we got really pumped about that. And um, I can tell, I'm looking at myself in a pig outfit. I can't, I can't speak seriously about that topic, but we were fired up and we took that into the game. And um, yeah, again, thanks to loans.com and Kia, we were able to get out there and get the job done. <laughs> Meg, you were heading for a 3 p at the start of the year. What was the one message from your coach before this season started? Because motivation after you win is, is sometimes hard to get back. What was the message from Kelvin right before NRLW Season 3? Kelvin's been amazing and he's brought us together as a group really well. Um, and he's an incredible coach and we've been so lucky to have him um, leading us girls. And every week he comes out with a new quote. And this week it was, we burn out... Bridges. We burn our boats. Um, I'm not sure if anyone's heard of it, but it really stuck with our team this week, and we took it in, and um, yeah, and we, and we we got the job done. Our boats were burnt, so we we won. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. The two on my right are asking you all these hard-hitting questions and all I saw last night was you taking there the trophy and oh, there. Two-time winning Tony premiership coach. coach. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to deadly choices. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how was sleeping with the trophy last night, Meg? Comfy? 
Oh, it was honestly the best sleep I've ever had. I love my partner Tash, but I love that trophy so much. <laughs> the big outfit doesn't look too bad. Oh, there we go. We've got it up on screen now. Look, I'm not. You're on a hard floor. Lucky you've got yeah. a pillow there and because you know, that trophy's. We needed to store it. We've got national storage. <laughs> <laughs> you find a way every time. Do you know what I'm going to ask you? I'm going to ask your team about hair pulling. I want to ask you about hair pulling. All of the girls, yay or nay? We are hair pulling. Hair pulling. We are we are against hair pulling. We do not believe in hair pulling. We do not train to do hair pulling. We are against hair pulling, but it is sport. And it happens and it's accidental and we totally understand that. And we're sorry for any hair pulling that has occurred. Um, but yes, like I said, we're against it. Um, but it's sport and it happens, so um, hair pulling. Do you have any hair sponsors? Because that's where you could have thrown one in. <laughs> We do not have any hair. Oh, actually, Scrunchy Ladies, she will keep your hair tied up. <laughs> Meg, sorry to sour the mood a little bit. We have to ask you, the Queensland team didn't make the Queensland side. How does that feel, Laurie? Are you still on cloud nine after winning, winning the grand final yesterday? Nine. I don't care. I'm here to celebrate with the girls. I'm here to enjoy my day thanks to Forex. And we all here. Yes, we love it. Well done, ladies. You enjoy your time up there because we appreciate seeing all those celebration shots. Hello. You press the button. Enjoy it. You're having too much fun in Queensland. We'll talk to you later. Oh. Oh, and now we've got Tane. There we go. Tane's on screen. She loves it. <laughs> Fantastic stuff there. All right. Well, we didn't get any groundbreaking news out of them. They're having a lot of <laughs> I don't fun. Think, I don't De think you expected any groundbreaking Hello. news with the amount what of beers on Debbie that table. Here? Three <laughs> in a row. She's the one he wants today. She missed out in the Queensland Look, side. Look, you can tell he's the newsbreaker. You have to ask the tough questions sometimes. Oh. <laughs> Do you think she cares right now? I don't think she cares. I don't cares. think she heard you. I think I she rushed you. <laughs> yeah, that's why the connection went. All right. Let's talk about State of Origin. And that is, of course, next month in November. Next week. Next week, not next month. Oh, my next gosh. Week. Nine days, Katie. Count them down. Nine days to go. <sighs> All right. Well, we better start talking about it. Wayne Bennett and Brad Fittler have confirmed their squads. Let's take a look at the New South Wales Blues team and how that will line up. We don't know the 1-17, to 17, but as you can see, there are a lot of fresh faces in there. We did see Clive Churchill medalist Ryan Pappenhausen rightly added to that list. And Jerome Luai was a bit of a surprise in there. Any other surprises for you, gents, or pretty happy with that 27? Oh, I'm pretty happy with that 27. I think that, you know, Brad Fittler, as Sturlo said, he's got a 27-man squad there that are going to be able to maybe chop and change depending on what kind of game he's looking to have. But I think that's the best 27 that New South Wales... Yeah, could have trotted out. Absolutely. And if we want to take a look at Wayne Bennett's Queensland Maroons team, there's plenty of inexperience and I guess some debutants that will be on show in this side as well. What do you make of that, Michael? Yeah, there is. But as Sturlow said, you never underestimate a Queensland side, especially when you consider the motivation they're going to have this year with Wayne Bennett and Mal Meninga at the helm. Their job will be to get Queensland right in the head. And if they can get that right... It'll go a long way to winning it because I think the real disadvantage, forget the actual fact that you know, on paper New South Wales look a superior side, I think the disadvantage for the Maroons is a lot of these guys stop playing football 
five weeks ago, four weeks ago. Mm. And it'll be six weeks between their last game when they take the field. And you saw the New South Wales side, a lot of that team played deep into the final series. Two years ago, Brad Fittler took over the New South Wales Blues and changed their whole culture and whole outlook, not only at how they played the game in origin, but how they were perceived in New South Wales. I don't think New South Wales has ever felt more a part of the New South Wales team than what they had the last two years. Mal Meninga had that for Queensland for such a long time. When, when he left, Kevin Walters struggled to get that Queensland back because of a changeover of players. That's where the advantage is this year. The players, when they go out there, will match up and the inexperience, I think, won't matter too much. But that culture of what Freddie's built and getting those guys straight back in, that's a huge advantage because these guys wouldn't have had Wayne or Mal. No, they'll be know. in awe of them when that's, they come that's to That's exactly camp. right. So yeah. that, that culture that Freddie's brought in the last two years, massive advantage. Yeah, right. That's interesting you say that about Wayne Bennett and what he'll bring to the Queensland Maroons. Daly Cherubin spoke earlier today. You know, there is a, there is a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, inexperience coming into the side, but there's certainly not, certainly not lacking talent. So, you know, the opportunity's there for the next wave of people to come through and, and show how talented they are and that they belong here. And, you know, as a captain, I think that's the most important part, is making people feel, um, you know, safe and comfortable in this environment, that they are meant to be here. Um, it's not a mistake that people have been picked in this side, so um, I think the quicker we get comfortable with each other, um, you know, the more we can push each other and um, help each other when we, when we get out there. Yeah, so it's inexperienced, but I know that you both always talk about State of Origin being a different beast. But if we turn our attention to the New South Wales Blues, and I mentioned Ryan Pappenhausen makes his way into that side, does Freddie need to open up a position that sees him in that 1-17? to And if so, where would he be in Game 1? Remember what you said a couple of weeks ago, Sowie? Remember and, what and you, you said? I do. I owe you an apology. Uh, I said Ryan Pappenhausen be in the squad, uh, but there's more momentum building for him to be in the 17. I just think... He'd probably go with Cody Walker, but Ryan Pappenhausen's played in the middle. So either way, you're not going to lose anything because however many weeks ago when I said that, I don't think any of us envisioned Cody Walker having the finish to the season that he did. Not that he wasn't capable and that Ryan Pappenhausen was going to play like he did last night in the grand final and carry that momentum on. So uh, the 14, I think it'll be out of Pappenhausen and Walker. Yeah, well, Ryan Pappenhausen weighed in on being selected in the side and he was very, very excited. It's one of those ones. I'm trying to enjoy it now, but um, Freddie came up to me after the game and just said, mate, see you on Wednesday, and um, sort of just clicked then, and I was like, all right, yep. I mean, this is going to be cool. This will be a good opportunity. Um, do whatever I need to do to get a Blues jersey, but to even be mentioned in the squad, it's a, it's a great achievement, and um, yeah, I'm pretty proud. And rightly so. He should be very, very proud. Just finally on the Blues, there's a um, Luke Keary, we've got Jerome Luai and Cody Walker, but Nathan Cleary, is he the only real halfback in that squad? And what do you do if he's injured? No, Luke Keary can play in the halves, yeah. either seven or six, depending on what happens there. Plus they've got Jack White, and I think it's a really balanced squad from uh, Freddie going to this uh, Origin Series. Jerome Lewis had a fantastic year, so this may be usually you have the Blues emerging camp and you can bring those guys in, but this may be an, an emerging you know, situation for Jerome Lua. They have to prepare a couple of years in advance and he's been fantastic this year. Okay, fair enough. And we're celebrating 40 years of State of Origin. Can you believe that? 40 whole mm. years. And Michael, you've been working on something pretty special today. We did see um, Andrew Johns naming his blue side. A bit of a sneak peek there. The eighth, a popular pick, no doubt, in the halves teams. But let's take a look at who he will have in his side. Well, growing up, that was the year when early 1990s when they won three in a row. It was on the back of those two players. 
Canberra on fire that time. They were unbeatable. And just that combination, the long passing of Ricky and the dynamic running of Laurie. Laurie scores this try where he just goes off his... Might have been his left foot. Gets a long ball off, off Ricky. I think it was up there. And they played with the old Queensland balls, like a yellow ball. And just went footwork, 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 try. That was them two. Long pass, Stuart. Running game, Laurie. Yeah, there you have it, Katie. Uh, that's Andrew Johns' team. Only one current player in uh, Joey's best 17, James Tedesco at fullback, makes the cut against his good mate there, Anthony Minicello. But uh, yeah, look, uh, it's interesting. This is a part of a promotional part of a campaign we're doing over the next month. Uh, we're going to unveil the greatest New South Wales Origin team of the 40 years, voted by the nine expert commentary team. There's Andrew Johns, Brad Fitlow, Wally Lewis. Billy Slater, Jonathan Thurston, some of the greats of the game, deciding the, the best New South Wales and Queensland teams. For me, the, the interesting one is you, you, we'd all expect Laurie and Freddie to be a New South Wales team. Who gets the six? You grew up watching Freddie and, and Laurie. It's a tough one because they both can play in the centres, they both can play in six. That's It's going to be interesting to see which way the, the, the judges go there. Yeah, well, Joey had Freddie in the centres, so I think mm. that... Yeah, Freddie started out as a said it. You can't go wrong. Yeah, look at that side. That's I mean, going to be or, tough. It's, it's really tough. It honestly is really tough. One person that I love that I'd have in in my side is Ben Kennedy. Like Joey, absolutely loved playing with Ben yeah. Kennedy, and very yeah, not much talked about uh, his career and how good he was. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, what date? Yeah. So the, game one in the broadcast channel nine before the game, the fans will have their say. The fans team will be unveiled. Then on game two on November 11, before the ANZ Stadium game, the New South Wales team will be announced. And before the game three at Suncorp, we'll announce the Queensland team before uh, before the game. Wow, well done. And Sydney Morning Herald and Channel 9 for those? Yeah, Sydney Morning Herald, Channel 9 and NRL.com, of course. Love it. Fantastic. All right, well, don't forget to buy your tickets for State of Origin. They go on sale tomorrow to the general public at 10 o'clock. Head to NRL.com forward slash tickets and NRL.com hospitality for any packages. I should mention we've got all the state times there. 7am if you're in WA, 9am Queensland and 9.30 South Australia and 10am, like I mentioned, in New South Wales. Make sure you get onto that quick because tickets will sell like hotcakes. Uh, yeah, you'll be gone. Game one. Will you both be going down? Oh, my gosh, it Adelaide. changed everything. Yeah, it might be different this year. I, hope, nah, maybe yeah, I don't think I'll be going to Adelaide. Sydney? I'm doing something with the NRL out of Liverpool, I think. Yeah, OK. Yeah. There you go. I'll be in Brisbane if they uh, go to a decider. I think have to share the love a bit for Adelaide. Yeah. Going to a decider. Gosh, it changes. 3-0. Three 3-0. <laughs> Three All right. Well, and also remember there is still time to win a double pass to the Bundy Balcony at ANZ Stadium for Game 2. I want to be part of that yeah. experience. All you have to do is go to nrl.com forward slash Bundy Balcony and tell me in 25 words or less and then you and your mate why they deserve to be on the Bundy Balcony. Yes, I'm, I'm looking at you. Why do you deserve to be on the balcony, Sally? The competition closes tonight, so you only have until midnight, but you could tell me right now in 25 words why you would want to be there and why you deserve it. Um, because I have actually played and I can give you insight. Oh, no, here we go. you wouldn't win that. You would have to talk about why you love Bundaberg rum. Like, nothing oh, better. Okay. Me and my mate would sit on the balcony, drink a Bundy and Coke, and because I love And about the time that I led New South Wales to victory here. With <laughs> cheese and dip. I'll be there anyway. So I might just All pop right, up there and flash the pass. No, you haven't sold it. You haven't Okay. Sold it. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to hit or miss. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Panthers will win a premiership within the next three years. Hit or miss? Hit. Hit. Next. 
Oh, look. How many? Uh, I think they'll win two in the next two out of the next five. Well, that's not the question. Two out of the next five. That last night, as hard as it would be, it'll be a learning experience for Nathan and Jerome. And you always have to have some sort of heartache, I feel, before you get the success. And you know, nine, we had it going out the back door, and that momentum carried into our preseason, and and we, uh, you know, got there 12 months later. But there's a lot of young talent there. The, the the trouble is, what we saw with the Raiders is how much do you harness in that emotion and all that kind of stuff and get rid of this year and, and work out the good things that you did this year and then try and go to a next level next year to win it all. Is it fair to say, Sal, you don't know how much you want to win one until you're in a position where you, you lose Man, one? Man, yeah. Like, I, I went to sleep for a month, like, you know, nine thinking, we're first, this is it, this is my childhood dream, I'm going to hold that trophy. And then I was down at Dapto having a beer, like, a month later, like, it was heartbreaking and then you get back to that point again and you get to realize your dreams and it's like oh I want to do this again and then you don't get to do it ever again it's like well yeah it's it's hard to take because you enjoy watching the celebrations but you know I can't imagine what those Penrith boys would be thinking now knowing that they're so close and that they dominated the competition this year but fell short and got to wait all the way till next year to have another crack all right 2020 will not be Craig Bellamy's last grand final as a coach what do you think it it won't be He'll make another grand final. Oh, look, I'm not com completely convinced that 21 will be his final year as a head coach. I, I think they will be lining up out the door, the clubs, to get Craig Bellamy as a coach. It, any club is going to want Craig, Craig Bellamy. I think there's a part of him that it's just who he is. And I know he's got to work out what he wants to do in life and where he wants to settle down with the family and the grandkids, but it wouldn't surprise me if Craig Bellamy coaches on beyond 21. And it wouldn't surprise me at all, even if Cameron Smith retires, if he takes this team. I, I don't think they'll win one next year, but wouldn't surprise me to see Melbourne in the grand final next year on the back of Brandon Smith and Harry Grant taking over from Cameron. Yeah, in the NFL, Bill <laughs> Belichick and Tom Brady won six rings together and they split up and the motivation would be still strong to see if you can you know, cement your legacy for Craig Bellamy. And not that's not to say he wants to do it without Cameron Smith, but it's a hit for me. Look, <laughs> Harry Grant, Brandon Smith, Pappenhausen's one of the best players in the world, Munster, Jerome Hughes, international forward pack. They'll probably start next year favourites. Gosh, he can create well, they don't. The Panthers do, actually. By the bookies, the Panthers are the favourites. Yeah. OK. I'm you're the champs and so you're not the champs no more. All right? <laughs> oh, he's hard to please this You one, said they will start the year as favourites. Okay. I'm letting you know they're not starting the year as favourites. That's all. Mm. Moving on. Hair pulling should be an automatic suspension in the NRLW. Hit or miss? Hit, and it should be a professional foul. If you all want right. to get it out of the game, we, we, we've seen shoulder charges... Uh, put out of the, the men's game and we've seen uh, crusher tackles come down harshly. If you want to get it out of the game, you want to stamp it out because right there, Bovetti Welsh is probably through if she doesn't get pulled by the hair. We've seen Isabel Kelly uh, get injured off the back of a hair pull as well. So if you want to get rid of it, make it a professional foul, make him go down. That's 10 minutes right there. I think the, the, the deliberate stuff, definitely. Like, there's sometimes when you're chasing someone and you're desperate to grab no. them. I'm not saying that you do. But if there's, if there's incidental ones, then penalty... But that one there from Mate, the Roosters, that you got it. You want to get rid of it? Ten in the bin. If you're going to if you're going to sim bin Jerome Hughes last night for the littlest little bit of side movement as a professional foul, you want to get rid of it. Ten in the bin. Then if they get beat, they get beat because they can't. You know, if they get beaten on the outside, you can't just pull someone's hair. Just you can't inadvertently pull someone's hair. Well, right, come here. Let me see if I can. <laughs> it's falling out anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're younger than me. <laughs> okay, we're going to finish the sentence for a couple of questions. The biggest off-season signing will be dot dot dot. Oh, 
It's hard because I, I reckon the, the biggest off-season signings are still to happen. Uh, the biggest off-season signing so far will be... Dot, dot, Kyle dot. Flanagan to the Bulldogs. Thank you. David Fafita. No, actually, no, let me That's take... That's already happened. Okay. Oh, an yeah. You mean Look the signing. Look into your crystal okay. okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I'm going to say... Oh, okay. Should I just go for a lunch break? I've got nothing. I've got nothing. <laughs> okay. I can't give away too much. Kyle Flanagan to the Bulldogs. He knows all... That, that'll happen in the next 24 to 48 hours, Kyle Flanagan. He'll be at the Bulldogs. I don't think it's going to make a difference to Canterbury making the finals or not. It's a tough one because in the next probably month or so, there's a lot of salary cap to be worked out mm -hmm. and people will be saying, oh, I'm not happy here and not happy there and they'll try and manoeuvre it around. But right now, Kyle Flanagan to the Bulldogs. I'll can't wait to see him in Trent Barrett. I'll say Matt Burden. I think Matt Burden will leave... The Panthers. What about to Josh Adokar? Well, what about Josh Adokar? Well, Josh Adokar, yeah, I, I, I'm just giving you something a bit different. Matt I think Burton. Matt Burton. There you go. You're just giving us sniff, but you're not actually giving us any info. That's, That's what he's supposed to do. He's a journalist. Yeah, but come on. Okay. Anyway, coach under the most pressure in 2021. Can you answer that one for me, please, Michael? Um, Kevy, Brad Arthur, for different reasons. <laughs> Kevy's under enormous pressure because they're still going to expect him to make the eight next year. Brad Arthur... I just think Parramatta can go to the next level and I really think that he's the right man for the job. Doesn't mean the pressure's not going to be there for him to do it, though. Uh, I, I think the Eels, the expectation around the Eels is this is their premiership window. Year one, missed out. This is year two coming up and they're going to be expected to go better than week one, week two, bow out. They're going to be expected to make a grand final next year, Parramatta. <laughs> what are you laughing at, Jamie? Just how much you waffled on. Uh, I'm it probably under the most pressure question. next year, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> if, I if I don't get Corey and Ben and those youngsters kicking well at the Dragons, I'm going to be out of a job. Uh, look, I think the 15 coaches that don't win every year are under pressure. Oh, boring. Oh, boring. But an answer. what I will say is... You two is are getting really listen, bad at answering this. I haven't these. finished it, though. The hardest one will be Ivan Cleary to get back there. In 2014, we had a successful year. The next year, we started off well. Injuries... He finished then, second last. Then he was tired. How, how does he bottle that and try and get these guys back into another grand final next year? <laughs> I'm putting you both in this next segment. Champ or chump? All right, players wearing goggles. That has been a hot topic today. Everybody's wondering what's doing there. We've got vision of that. But for those at home who aren't sure, the goggles are actually taken from American sport. A lot of the American sportsmen and women wear them so they don't get champagne in their eyes. And the Aussies are followed suit. And I love it. What do you think? Oh, we're only about 50 years behind. Um, yeah, yeah, it's great. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, but I, I can't believe how many people are asking what the goggles are for. What do you think they're... They're wearing them as a fashion statement. So well, they possibly. They look pretty really cool. Seriously. But, people, but we have not seen that in Australian Turn sports. your TV sets on. But, it's been happening for 50 years. If you're years. an NRL fan and you've been watching, you, ha you haven't seen that. We don't wear protective equipment in Australian sport. We're okay. We don't have to wear helmets and whatnot. So why do we need goggles? We're tough. We'll take a bit of champagne in there. Champ or champ? Champ. They are the champs. Yeah. Chump, because how he said champ. <laughs> All right. Well, you, I don't think you can chump this next one. We talk about MVPs. Brandon Smith is my oh. MVP of the grand final. Listen to the best interview of 2020. Uh, I got the ring and, um, yeah, it's for sale. I need to pay for all the beers. I'm about to sink. Give us a look at the bling. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> Let's go. What about your coach and captain? What do you got to say about them? Uh, mate, to the captain, oh, I hope he can play on. I know it's a tough situation for me, but I wouldn't want him carrying me to another uh, couple of rings. So uh, I don't think we should force him out of the game. I think he decides whatever he wants to do. And to Craig, he does nothing uh, pretty much all year. And uh, Craig, uh, <laughs> Smitty does all the coaching. So, uh, yeah, he's just uh, getting paid lots of money to do uh, pistol. 
I'll take it. Harry Grant starting a hooker next year. <laughs> that could be the biggest off-season signing. Brandon Smith. I nearly didn't come to work today because I was just going to sit and watch Instagram with Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster and uh, Brandon Smith. They that's are gold. fantastic. Seriously. That's You're gold. championing it, right? We're championing it. We're, We're very champion. much 100%. championing it. I told you, there's people on this show that will never, ever get jumped. He's one of them. Yeah. I just love how he's so honest in interviews. All right, before we let you go, we finish with another champ, the winner of the Couch Commentator Competition. Congratulations to Trent Townsend for winning it with his call in the 2003 Grand Final. Brilliant defence by the Sydney Roosters. That's last tackle for the Penrith Panthers. They pass it to Gurley. Verla kicks it, but it's come off the feet of the Sydney Roosters. It's loose now. Bradford now he passes it to Don Byrne. Burns away. He's clear. He's got 40 metres away. Oh, but what a tackle by Scott Sattler. Incredible grand final tackle. Sensational rugby league. And that is sensational calling. That was very good. You know I'm just jealous because I, I can't said Chad call. Townsend won it. That was unbelievable. <laughs> you know how hard it is? Because I did the promo for that for NRL and I was like, it, it's so hard to commentate. For anyone that works behind the scenes at media, that, like, you've worked on the sideline a couple of times. It's yeah. hard to get the players right. He's done exceptionally well there. I, I know. I, yeah, he actually... Well, he had a Parramatta jersey in the background, so he couldn't pick a Parramatta grand final to uh, commentate, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not, not one with good memories, but well done, well done to Trent. All right. Well done to Trent. <laughs> I said one of the past. Come on. We're going to be back next Monday to preview the State of Origin Game 1 match, which is down at Adelaide. And before you go, don't forget to vote for your drink-wise try of the final series. Until next Monday, have a good one. Now Cook breaks into open pasture. They're after him. Here comes one that will get him. My goodness, that was a sprint by Bradman Best. Didn't, uh, didn't seal the tackle. He'll go all the way, Cook. Cook, he's gone all the way. All the players this year made great sacrifices. Here's Papali. Good offload. Bateman. Nickel Clockstad through the middle. He's got support here. Rapida gives it to George Williams. Cameron Smith, inside ball from Hughes to Adokar, goes to ground, Gutherson has it, they've got numbers out here, the Eels, Jennings, can he set up Ferguson, he's away Jennings, flick pass to Ferguson, he goes through, breaks through the tackles, inside ball, what a try! Wonderful ball from Jerome Hughes. There was plenty of people suggesting as another break is made. Yeah. Here it is, and it's Josh Adokar up over the halfway line. He's got support. It's Ryan Pappenhausen. <laughs> Dodgy ball out of dummy half, but Tarpany with that great footwork. He's only found a hole. Tarpany straight through. The Raiders 16-0. This is a good run here. This is a good run here by Isaiah. And he gets it away for Dylan Edwards. A couple of the country boys score a preliminary final try.